Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchlina, and joining me once again is Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing? Well, good. I think my blood pressure's come down a little bit. Uh, I definitely have more gray hairs than I started the day with, which I'm running out of. I'm running out of hairs that aren't gray. So, <laughs> well, you're going to have to hang on, I guess, for a few, a few more, at least one, one more day. Yeah, one more game. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I know feel, it. I feel like we're we're we should almost call this like a special edition of the podcast because we're like we're we're doing this, uh, you know, fresh off of of uh, some quarterfinal games. And, uh, you know, and we've got a lot of a lot to talk about tonight. So I, I don't know. I must feel like it's a special playoff edition of, of the show this week. Everything. Everything special once the <laughs> once the second That's... week of or third week of October. hits. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, don't forget that you can, of course, send uh, questions and feedback by shooting an email to NHHighSchoolSports at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at at NHHS Sports. Uh, and, uh, well, I was just about to say the field hockey show is posted every Monday, but, uh, as we mentioned last week, we're going to have a, throw a little bit of a curveball at you next week, uh, with the championship game, division one, division two championship games being on Sunday next week. Uh, we are going to take a couple days to digest all that and, uh, we'll have a podcast for you on, uh, it will be up on the site on November 1st instead. And then the week after that, we're going to do one final show, kind of wrap up uh, anything that we don't get to next week. And that will be on Monday, whatever that first Monday in November is, the uh, the 6th. Six, yeah. How does that sound? Sounds great. I think okay. it'll be I think it'll be nice to take a take a minute and and look back on what has definitely been an awesome fall season. Absolutely. I, I, I it's I I. I feel so so cliche saying it, you know, but it it, it it's gone by way too fast. Um, just hard to believe that we're already at this point, and it's been a really it has been a really fun season. Just uh, you know, with with, uh, with some of these uh, some of these regular season and playoff games, and just uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been it's been super fun. All right. Well, the first thing I want to bring up, uh, even though we don't have a, we're not going to have a coaches poll uh, this week. Take it, taking a, the the middle of the play, middle week of the playoffs off from uh, from having a poll. There will be a final one next week after the championship games. But I want to talk about the poll that came out last Monday, going into the playoffs, because we had a big change in that poll, uh, as we kind of assumed we would, uh, with Dover beating Wyndham in the regular season finale. Uh, Dover moves into the number one spot, uh, unanimous choice by the coaches uh, for that number one spot, you know, and flipping with Wyndham down to number two. First time that Dover has been up there, and I want to say overall the third team that's had the number one spot. I think Wyndham, obviously Exeter had it earlier this year. I think Wyndham and Exeter went back and forth uh, for most of last year. Um, so the first time that Dover is uh, is in that top spot, and then if you had Wyndham at two, uh, usual suspects, BG and John Stark, three and four. Uh, Exeter moved up to five, uh, coming off a, uh, a regular se- or season finale win over Pinkerton, who dropped from five to six. At Kennett at seven, Oyster River at eight, Concord at nine, and then Sauhegan moving back into the poll at ten. So kind of, I mean, it, it, it's been, you know, the, the top five, six teams been pretty steady all year and then that bottom four has just been you know like just a a, a, a 
a revolving door. Yeah, pretty much, pretty pretty much. And I imagine, you know, reading off some of those teams, uh, you know, some of them their seasons are already done uh, in the playoffs. So I imagine they'll be even more so when the final poll comes out next week. But uh, anything, anything kind of stand out to you about that? Um, you know, outside of maybe Dover uh, moving up to number one. No, I mean, where it it all makes sense. And I, I mean, I know you and I had talked about it very early on in the season, like that Dover Wyndham game. I think everybody had circled on their any field hockey fan anyways, had that one circled on their calendars. Because um, I think everybody kind of figured that that was going to be the the decider, right? Two, two teams that have all, you know, have seen success for a lot of years squaring off in the in the regular season finale. I mean, you can't script that stuff better. And then... Right. um you know, BG and Stark have just consistently done what they've done all season long. So all of that, all of that makes sense. I mean, can it still kind of remains that like wild card just because nobody receives them, right? And like, you know, <laughs> and, even and, when we get yeah. to, even when we get to, you know, meetings, you know, end of the season or whatever, we, you know, look at, there's, there's five teams in D2 because it's the biggest D2 that teams don't play. Then you add two D3 games that kind of picks up with Berlin. There are seven no plays that Kenneth has in the division. So it's always tough to kind of tell where they are. But I mean, their body of work this year is certainly, you know, certainly earned them that spot there. And, and obviously I was thrilled to see the Sabres back in the conversation. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. As for, as for for Kenneth, yeah. The only, only team so far this year to, to beat John Stark and um, you know, uh, they haven't played. It feels like in like ten days now. They're they're uh, one of uh, a handful of games that was postponed this weekend. Their quarterfinal uh, will take place Monday afternoon, and I guess that's a good uh, good segue into the next thing I wanted to bring up. Um, you know, I I feel like this year I've had more people ask me, um, you know, why do they not use grass fields for tournament games for for neutral site games, so semifinals or or, or championship games. You know, so one of the one of the reasons someone asked that was like they thought it was, you know, unfair an unfair advantage to turf teams that that they get to you know that the, those games are played on turf and not on grass, and uh, I I think that this weekend has been a perfect example as to why we, why that's not the case why we have to use turf fields in this instance because you had what four quarterfinal games that were postponed um, there were three of them were supposed to be played Saturday postponed all the way right. to Monday because we got so much rain on Saturday the fields weren't playable t- on Sunday. So, I mean, you can't have that on, on these neutral site, you know, when there's so many moving parts in terms of, of multiple teams playing in the site, you need to have people come in working the site. Um, there's, you know, people like myself, media come into the games as well. Uh, you also have to figure in that the championship game is coming up beyond that. Like, you can't change the game too far in advance. Um and if you're playing on a grass field and it rains or snows, that that you know that's it. That you're you're pretty much forced to do that on the turf right. field. You you don't have that issue unless it's you know unless it's you know crazy weather like a you know a few years ago um, where I think it was supposed to be like raining in like 35, uh, and no one wanted to be out in that. But I mean, they, they, no. yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough. I mean, it, it's. It's hard. Like I, I, I can understand and empathize where these people are coming from, right? And I mean, I, I experienced it as a coach firsthand when we had, 
um, you know, 2020, the championship game, um, they, we didn't do neutral sites because people were still, you know, trying to figure out how to handle COVID after the lockdown and all of that. Um, and we ended up playing a championship game at Kennett, um, which was a huge advantage for them. Um, so the, the things that stuck out to me there were one, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget this. It snowed down here. It snowed in Amherst (laughs) the night before to the (laughs) point where parents met me at the field and we shoveled off our front field in order to practice before going up to Kennett. But also, like, I remember standing on that field and the other thing that grass fields just don't have is the capacity to accommodate the amount of viewership like the amount of fans that a a game of a semifinal or championship caliber brings right like you and i had talked about maybe the only grass facility could be like memorial field and concord but concord doesn't even play their field hockey games there right like it's not a facility for field hockey whether it's you know the ground's rocky because it's their football field whatever they don't cut it short enough who knows but there's not um, enough parking over there for for right yeah yeah, there's parking's a nightmare there for sure um but yeah i mean and and even like you said look at the look at the turn look at the grass games that were supposed to take place today like stark portsmouth was supposed to be at stark they moved that game to nec Right. I'm sure field conditions had a factor in it. Absolutely. Right? Um, so, you know, Kennett has to postpone their game. Even though it's not raining there today, it rained yesterday, but the field needs so much time to rebound. You know, now that gets moved, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get moved either way. And there, and there have been instances where we've had to postpone a semifinal game, whether it was because of just torrential downpour and lightning. I remember that too, but it's certainly, you know, it certainly makes it tough when, Certainly makes it tough when those things happen. So I think that turf is is the way that you can kind of control the controllables and make sure the games play without you know without too much issue. I, I mean, and this isn't a new thing either. I mean, you mentioned that game, you know, three years ago, and I I've been doing this, uh, you know, up here. You know, I've been covering field hockey semis and finals. I want to say going back to like two thousand and five, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. And even back then, they were playing on turf fields. So it's not like this is right. a new a new thing. No, no. I mean, I, I as long as I've been coaching, the semis have been at Bill Ball, which is a beautiful facility. And we're, you know, so lucky that Exeter and Bedford, you know, continues to host and open that up every year. Um, so, you know, it's kind of nice. And I think the other really cool thing, too, and, you know, maybe this is just me, but I think one really, really cool thing is that all of the teams are playing at the same place on the same night, right? Like you're not having to go to two different locations for D2 or D1 or D3 semis. Everything is happening the same night at the same facility. Um, and then championship, what's usually championship Sunday is awesome too, to have all three divisions <laughs> yeah, together yeah. in one facility. Like it's just cool. And that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen for our sport at any other time. Right. It's, it's a, you know, yeah, it's, it makes for a long week. <laughs> driving out to Exeter three days in a row, but, and then the, you know, then that, that championship, championship Sunday. But I I mean, I, to me, it's worth it. Like I, I love doing that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it it just, it's so much fun um, to get to see, especially, you know, when you get to this point in the season, uh, there are a lot of really good teams out there and the quality of play is, is, you know, I'd say 90% of the time, top notch, regardless of division, 
So I mean, these yes. are these are always fun games to go to, and and I guess I guess that 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 kind of leads me into any you know saying to anyone that's on the fence about you know going to any of these semis next week, um, you know it, it, it's you know if you're not in it, um, yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating, uh, but I would absolutely recommend going because I think it's it's just a fantastic atmosphere, you know, and it's a good way to familiar familiarize yourself with it too. If you know if you're a team that was hoping to get there this year, you're, you're coming back next year strong. You know, it's a good way to see how it works. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause it definitely, it definitely levels up, right? Like there's nothing, sure. you know, you, you're going to this neutral site, there's you know lights and noise and so many people everywhere and you're in a locker room that's not your own. And, you know, you only get X amount of time on the field and the warm up mix isn't either team's warm up mix. And yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball of wax, but it is, like you said, it's such great field hockey at this level like such great field hockey we're getting to the spot where there's you know four teams in each division left they're the ones that have gone the distance like it's so great to watch uh well i was while we were just talking about that too usually like we go to these and it's like you know we got to bundle up and uh i I don't know if you've looked at the forecast for exeter for this week Mm. uh tuesday high is 61 Low of 47, partly cloudy. Beautiful. 11% chance of rain. Wednesday, high of 71, low of 55, Whew. mostly cloudy, 5% chance of rain. You ready for this? Thursday. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Thursday. Thursday, 74 for the high, 55, low, mostly sunny, 2% chance of rain. Let's I, go. I can Usually these are like when – this is the week when everything starts to get frigid. Just because yep. we're out, we're out doing this, and it's like the oh, the low tonight is going to be thirty three. Um, if this yeah. holds up, I mean, this is a fantastic week. Um, oh. sun, Sunday doesn't look quite so good. Actually, this isn't that isn't in Bedford, but uh, could be uh, we got a bunch of time till Sunday. Yeah. Things will yeah. change. It's New England. Wait five minutes. Exactly. Um, I love that. I love that I can wear my shorts and have people not look at me and go, <laughs> "How are you not cold?" It's because I'm not. Everybody, okay? I wear shorts. I like the shorts. It's good. Um, I do. I remember. Uh, I have a very vivid memory of a final four against Merrimack Valley. Oh, geez, probably 12, 12, 13 years ago at this point, where it started hailing in the middle of the game. I yeah, I'm I'm sure I've seen that. Uh, one of these one of at some point, yeah, where the field gets yeah. kind of like that white look to it, but it's not. Yep. it's not snow, but it's it's just it's, the slush. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I remember that. So I'll take. I will. I will very easily take low 70s. And that's our uh, that's our weather forecast for the day. Look at that. Look at that. That's a special segment. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you, you mentioned, um, you know, I, I figured we would we would do this and we'd have a full slate of semifinals to talk about. But obviously, like we said, there's still four games that need to be played on Monday. Uh, so I want to talk about a little bit of everything that's been going on, because, it, you know, obviously, since the last podcast we did, there have been two rounds of playoffs that have been played. Um, so I want to recognize some of the teams, you know, that got wins in those those early rounds, too. Uh, if, if that's all right with you, I love it. All right. Well, let's, uh, well, let's start where we usually start in division one. And, uh, you know, there, we saw, um, pretty much so far, the only upset of, um, the D one playoffs so far in that opening round where you had, uh, Londonderry getting a one, nothing win over, uh, Winnicott Londonderry was the 10 seed in that game. Winnicott the seven, uh, Ava Windish scored the game's only goal with about six minutes to play, uh, 
you know, and, and a, in a reversal of the game that they played in the regular season where I believe Winnicott scored late in that one and then won uh, one to nothing. So, you know, huge win for, for Londonderry. And uh, I know we, we texted about this after that game. I, who knows the last time, has there ever been a time that Winnicott wasn't in the quarterfinals? Yeah, I don't. I could not. I could not think of a time that we weren't talking about. You know, when it kind of beyond the first round, and and you know, tons of credit to Londonderry and and how hungry they came to that game. And always, I mean, there's always one, right? There's always, and I mean, I think. Well, we don't totally know yet about D three because they still have a bunch to play. But D one and D two definitely saw an upset in these first two rounds. So um, there's always one. And seven ten. I mean, with the way this season went, like. The seeding gives you a jumping off point, but by no means does that seeding, you know, really dictate who you were. And it sounds like Londonderry, you know, embodied that and went into that game and said, I love an underdog story. Let's get this done. Right. Uh, you know, and then in the other uh, other prelims, uh, number six Concord got a 3-1 win over number 11 Timberlane. Talked about how they had tied in the last regular season game. Uh, so Concord gets a, a little bit of a more convincing win in in this one. Uh, Allie McGonigal and Grayson Arndt had uh, goals in the first quarter, and then Nadia Hanna scored in the fourth to put the game away. Uh, Brandy Garand, uh, who's been you know really the backbone for I think Timberlane's defense all year, had 17 saves in that game. Um, you know she wow. she from what I I've seen and and read, she had a, an outstanding season for for Timberlane this year. And then, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, that's that Timberlane was fighting till the bitter end for that last playoff spot. And, and I think, you know, if they have someone else in that, maybe that's not happening for uh, them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the other uh, prelim, um, you had Bedford getting a four to one win over Keene. Uh, I actually, I wasn't able to make it to this one, but, uh, you know, the, the BCTV crew um, does a, a fantastic job covering uh, a lot of Bedford sports that, you know, maybe, some other places aren't uh, able to get to. Um, so I was able to watch some of this game uh, live streamed and then go back and watch the parts that I missed. And Bedford just stormed out of the gate in this one. They got a um, two goals in the first, I want to say, eight minutes to go up 2 nothing. Wow. And I want to say it was 3-1 at halftime. Uh, Sidney Davison had uh, two goals in this game. Tegan O'Donnell with three assists. And then uh, Lydia Denon and Natalie Denon each with a goal uh, as well. Yeah, and that's such a hard, that's such a really difficult hole to dig out of, right? Like, yeah. the two goals early, you can almost, you know, forget about, especially, not forget about, but, like, move past, especially if they happen, like, really close together early on in the game. But then as soon as that third one goes in, like, that's a really, that's a tough blow. So, um, you know, just 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 rough. Eight, nine is always a tough matchup, too. Um, you know, it could be anybody's game, but it sounds like Bedford, Bedford came hungry. Right. Uh, so that set up an interesting quarterfinal with uh, with Bedford, the eight seed, going out to play, uh, you know, top seeded Dover. Uh, they played to a tie in the regular season, a two two tie. Uh, and in that game, Dover got out to a two nothing lead in the first quarter. Bedford clawed its way back in to tie the game. Uh, I want to say in the third quarter. Then they played like they played a scoreless fourth and and obviously overtime. Uh, Dover did it again, got up two nothing in the first quarter and I, I saw that on on uh, Twitter and I went well okay we've been here before uh, let's mm. see what happens and uh, I guess Audrey Carter was having none of that 
she scored in the second quarter to make it three nothing. Uh, one of her two goals, and then assisted on a, a goal by uh, Gabriella Anderson to uh, finish out the scoring, uh, giving uh, Dover a four nothing win over Bedford. Yeah, and that's just—I mean, that's just an absolute dagger. And I don't think there have been any, uh, maybe, maybe just a couple of situations. I think Bedford gave up. A bunch to Wyndham and a bunch to BG, right? I think those were like five, sure, one yeah, and five, yeah. nothing games in the regular season. But I mean, Bedford typically doesn't give up a whole lot of goals. So to give up, you know, three unanswered, you know, again, I think that that just, that just makes it, makes it really hard. Um, and, and just is a deflating feeling. Yeah, you're right. Um, a lot of those games though, you mentioned those, um, came kind of late in the season though for, for Bedford. So I wonder if there was any, any changes back there, or, or some, hmm. maybe somebody was missing uh, on the back end? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a tough stretch too, though, right? Like uh, Dover and Wyndham back to back. BG is the second half, and then you know at Salem, the last game of the season when Salem was that other team, you know, fighting for that last playoff spot. So I'm sure, um, you know, they were coming. They obviously came very hungry because they gave Bedford that loss and Salem really needed that win. Uh, you know, another, another rematch, I guess, of the last uh, regular season game we saw in the quarterfinals uh, was that Exeter Pinkerton game uh, quarterfinal. They played in the last regular season game at Pinkerton. Exeter won three, one. They turn around and play at Exeter on Friday in the, uh, the four five matchup and Exeter gets another win uh, four to one over Pinkerton with uh, with Elsa Bishop getting three goals for, for Exeter. Yeah, and I think that's just a situation, like, Exeter's been here before, right? Like, they've right, been yeah. here, they've been here a ton before, and I feel like Pinkerton's always in the conversation, and they're like, they're they're knocking on the door, right? Like, they're they're so close to being able to, to break through and get there, but Exeter, Exeter's been down this road, Exeter knows what a Final Four feels like, to be able to do it at your own house too is great i mean they're they're set up for a uh, a good situation against dover in that semifinal being at exeter um so yeah i think i think experience you know for the blue hawks one out one out there yeah uh the uh the quarterfinal i went to uh on friday was uh was concord and bg which was was at stellos on friday and uh, that was uh, it had an interesting feel to it, where, where Beachy got a, a goal probably midway through the first quarter, and then it just kind of, you know, play kind of went back and forth. BG had some some chances on some corners, but couldn't capitalize. And you know they're they're going back and forth in between the twenty fives, and then late third quarter, all of a sudden Conquer gets a break, they get in the circle, and uh, Ali McGonagall scores to tie the game with like a minute and a half left in the third quarter, and all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, we've got a we've got a brand new game here, and. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you know who else comes out and and uh, takes care of business for BG? They they score, get a, a goal from Taylor Gabord, less than four minutes into the fourth quarter, uh, puts them up two one, and that just completely took the wind out of out of Concord sails. Had a real, I mean, they they put so much energy into coming back and tying the game that by that giving up the the go ahead goal that quick just really took a lot out of them. It looked like yeah, and it kind of makes me wonder. I mean, I. I did not expect this to be as close of a 
game on the scoreboard as it was, you know, and I think maybe BG went into it with that kind of same mentality, right? Like they played Concord just about a month ago. So I think right at the midway point in the regular season, beat them six, one. Um, I, I think that this is a good lesson in, yeah, you've gotten better as the season's gone on, but so have they. Right. So what happened in the regular season, again, jumping off point and playoffs is a whole new, a whole new, you know, whole new ball game. So, right, right. Um, so, you know, kudos to Concord for fighting hard and, and hopefully this is a, a good lesson for BG and, and it sounds like they dodged one. And then the uh, the last quarterfinal uh, was was one that I I was really interested in. Again, you know, with Londonderry going to Wyndham, um, you know, Londonderry, you know, they they finished the year um, what seven and nine in the regular season, and you, and you look at a lot of their scores. They played some of the 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 top teams pretty close. They lost by one to Exeter, one to Pinkerton, one in overtime to BG, um, you know, one nothing to Winniconnet. Two nothing to Wyndham uh, during the regular season, so I want. I thought this could be a, a, a might be a closer game um, than you'd expect from a, a you know two seed versus a ten. Uh, Wyndham ends up taking it four to one, getting two uh, two goals in the first quarter from Ella Reiners, um, both off of corners. Uh, you know, and they they kind of I, I think kind of cruised from there. It looks like or it sounded like. Uh, so I guess, I guess a good sign for, you know, if you're a Wyndham fan that they seem to be, you know, locked in, uh, especially bouncing back from that loss against Dover in the, uh, the finale. Yeah. I mean, Londonderry, Londonderry was definitely a team all season. I think that you couldn't, you couldn't put away easily and, you know, did not go quietly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Wyndham again, another team that's been here for a million years, they know, you know, they know what it takes. They know how to turn it on. And it sounds like they have, they've dialed it up here, heading into the semis. Absolutely. Yeah. So our, uh, you know, after all this talk, I think we had of, uh, in the, you know, in the regular season of all oh, the, you know, there'll be some surprises. Uh, we end up with, uh, with two versus three and one versus four in the, in the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, the, maybe the seating is working. Yeah. The seating, I guess, worked out. Okay. So you got. Uh, the D1 semis on Tuesday, you'll have uh, Bishop Girton playing Wyndham at 5 o'clock. Interesting note there, too. Um, BG also made the semis, I want to say, in 2020 and in 2019. And I believe both years they also played Wyndham then, too. Huh. Uh, just a, a, an odd coincidence. And then uh, the night game at 7, you've got uh, number 4 Exeter versus number 1 Dover. Uh, I, I would expect both of these games to be just outstanding, really. Like, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to try to pick a winner uh, from either game because I think it's going to be too close to call uh, for most yeah, of these. Yeah, this Tuesday Tuesday night is going to be a great night in Exeter. People are going to be absolutely rocking. Yeah, so really, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. All right, so how about we move on to Division Two? Unless you had any other any D one thoughts? No, I mean it's, it's going to be fun to watch. That's all. <laughs> um, you know, Division Two. Of course, we had uh, we had quite a few more preliminary round games with only the uh, the top two seeds getting buys. So uh, maybe we'll run through those a little bit quicker. Um, you know, you had uh, oh, of course now I don't have it in front of me. That was a smart thing to do, Joe. 
Uh, there we go. Um, you know, so you had again I, the you know the higher seeds uh, taking every game here. Um, you know, Oyster River, the three seed, getting a three nothing win over Pembroke. Um, you know, Sauhegan, your your Sauhegan Sabers, uh, the four seed, getting a one nothing win over Derryfield. Goffstown, the number five seed, doing the same thing against number twelve Lebanon, uh, one nothing win there. Um, number six Bo gets a two nothing win over number eleven Hanover. Um, Hollis Brookline with a uh, two nothing win. They're the seven seed, uh, two nothing win over uh, Pelham, the the ten seed, and then in the eight nine game, uh, an interesting one because because I, I believe Merrimack Valley beat Portsmouth in the regular season. And then Portsmouth flips it around, gets a three-one win over Valley in uh, in their uh, preliminary round game. Yeah, and I, I don't think a lot of these games were easy winners. I mean, us against Derryfield. Derryfield certainly made us work for that win. Goffstown led from what I watched. Oh, that was you know, yeah. That was a, a that had the feel of one of those games where one team dominates the entire game, doesn't find a way to break through, and then the other team just gets one chance. And goes right down the field and scores, and then it's that—that's yeah. the way the game ends. It, it didn't go that way for Goffstown. Um, actually, they had that. I mean, they had a little bit of a, a you know some lineup changes due to, to some illness and injury uh, in that game. And um, oh, and I oh, give yeah, give me a second. I will find the uh, name to have it right in front of me. But they like it was one of those. I, I was kicking myself afterwards because I missed the goal on video because I'd been. You know, I've been taping, you know, recording so much, and they're not scoring. And, and finally, it was like, you know, the last ten seconds of the third quarter. I'm like, ah, I'll just take some pictures. And next thing you know, they scored. Uh, Trinity Lunn, uh, a freshman for Goffstown, uh, put in a rebound with like six seconds left in the third quarter, and that was that was the game, uh, a one nothing win for for Goffstown. Yeah, which is wild because I think I remember too um, that. Trinity for Goffstown just started playing in August. She just, yeah, that's what what uh, Jess Brown, uh, the Goffstown coach, was saying that she had just picked up a stick in August when they had tryouts. Yeah, so I mean, not bad, not a bad time to, sure. <laughs> not a bad time to turn it on and and find the back of the net for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't think either of those games were too easy. I think I think Pelham gave Hollis uh, a tough time for for a bit there until, you know, there Hollis plays so fast um, that I think eventually, you know, it, it just got the better of Pelham. So a yeah. really good first round, I think in, in D2, D2 all around. Yeah. Hollis was able to get a, a couple of goals in the second quarter to kind of re- really what it was. They, they scored early in the quarter, second quarter had a one, nothing lead. And then they got another one with like, like under two minutes to play. I want to say, before halftime and that just kind of deflated Pelham um you know because you're you're you know I you're, you're already starting to think about okay we're going to the half we're only down a goal we got to do this we got to do that and then the next thing you know it's two nothing and now you've got to completely flip your your you know change your plans yeah right but yeah just uh that was a uh a comp- really competitive first round I thought looking just at least looking at the scores um and then, of course, we had uh, three quarterfinal games uh, on Sunday. Uh, like we said, the Kennett and Hollis Brookline uh, quarterfinal will be played Monday afternoon, so keep an eye out on uh, on uh, for the score on that one. Um, 
But I guess do you want to let, let's start with uh, with your game against Goffstown today, uh, Sauhegan and Goffstown in the the four five quarterfinal. Uh, you know that that first quarter, Goffstown gets on the board. It's one nothing. Uh, you know, and and they since you guys played them um, kind of early in the season, they've been I think a different team offensively. Um, yeah. So I mean, did you see some of that? Like they're you know some of those changes that they made or just the improvements that they made on that end? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, once they, once they get, once they get moving they're they're holding their space really well. They're cutting onto balls super well. They're making quick decisions and working together really well. So um, I think, you know, when we saw them a little bit earlier, they might've been, you know, kind of packing it in a little too tight defensively. So they weren't able to spring on those, you know, fast breaks as, as much as they did today. And they, they definitely made it scary. I mean, that the first quarter, my heart's already racing again. So, <laughs> pardon me, but um, yeah, the the first quarter. I mean, they absolutely, they absolutely dominated, and I think caught us on our heels big time. And you know, we're able to put one in on like a really weird play. Like it just not weird on their part, weird on ours. Like we just didn't move. Like we just l- watched David Jones rip a shot from the top right. <laughs> Of the of the circle, and everybody just stood there and went, "Huh." Yeah, I it, and then um, I thought a little bit in the second quarter that it kind of, you know, you guys kind of came back with your own offensive surge, you know, for a lot of that quarter, um, and then almost just kind of before you could you know the the play that you that you tied it up on it almost was kind of like before you could blink like the ball's in the back like it just was bang bang there's the ball there it goes into the goal what what just happened yeah we took we took some time in between the first and the second quarter to remind ourselves who we were and how we play and how we operate and then you know thankfully the girls never looked back and they went in um and finished it and and I made a substitution um for Emily Facey uh, in for Ari Goulet, just so I could check in with Ari real quick. And and then Emily ends up being the one that <laughs> potted the tire. Just like you drew it up. Yes. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and then the second half of that game, I, I, I mean, it was, it, you know, Goffstown had a tough time, I think getting out of, out of, you know, their own end. Um, but defensively, they're so strong that it just yeah. every opportunity you guys got had to, it. And you almost had to be perfect with the ball um, to to beat them. And and I think eventually that's kind of what happened. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about the way Goffstown plays inside their own twenty-five defensively. You know, and it starts in their goal. I mean, Molly is just a a fantastic player, and you know, also a really great person. Um, so you know, it starts there and just radiates out. And yeah, you're right. Like if we, you know, if I had had one player swing low, she might've been able to get a tip on something, but like, you're right. Like we could not, we put on a ton of shots and had a, had a bunch of opportunity to score, but we're just missing that, that finishing touch. And then they took us to overtime. You know, and and the other thing too, that, that, you know, maybe, maybe her, I, I didn't, I haven't looked yet to see what, um, you know, Molly had for, for saves in that game. But even on on shots where she didn't, you know, have to make a save or get a piece of the ball or anything, you know, a lot of the shots were going wide. And I imagine a lot of that, too, is just knowing that you're going against a goalie that is, you know, is playing really well and is going to 
you know, more you have a better than odd, you know, odds chance to to make the save. So maybe you're pushing the ball a little bit too far one way or the other. Um, you know, and yeah. it kind of maybe affects your shot a little bit. Yeah, she we knew she, you know, if she's on angle, which she always is, she's gonna make the initial save for sure. So we had to look for deflections and we had to go wide and we just, you know, either we're missing that stick, you know, in the right spot or somebody didn't make the cut fast enough or whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, she plays, she plays so aggressively and comes out and and is willing to throw her whole self into it. So um, it definitely, definitely made it tough. And then uh, you get uh, an overtime goal from Ori Dart with what, three seconds left on the clock. Yeah, um, I I, uh, I I'm I'm you know I'm not I'm not it's not too often that I uh, pick up on on certain things, but I remember asking you about her over the summer. Uh, yeah, you know, and and just I mean, she was what on the field the entire game, kind of you know in the middle of everything when you guys had your offensive opportunities, and and as a freshman, I I don't know what else you can say about that. Yeah, she is she is definitely going to be a player that the state needs to watch. I mean, not my opponents, ignore her. She's you don't have to worry about it, but uh, no, she is going to be she is as she develops, she's going to be an absolutely spectacular player and I mean the people around her too like Caitlin Ridings on on the wing there, her crosses into Ori at the circle were just absolutely absolutely beautiful and the way that those two and and Ari on the left have learned to play off of each other as the season has progressed has been a really has been a really awesome thing to watch so you know being able for her to finish that and and again Molly came out really aggressively to play the ball and Ori you know had the had the you know IQ and ability to gather it and put it in you know kind of on like a little reverse dump like she knew that she knew that Molly was down, so pulled it off her pads and, you know, kind of shoveled it in on a reverse, not a chip or anything weird like that, um, you know, was was just an awesome moment. And I, I was super happy for her and for the girls. And um, it didn't come without scary moments, too. I mean, Gosstown had two breakaways. Oh, yeah, right. That, you know, I was having flashbacks to the Oyster River game because that's how, that's how we got that loss, you know, a breakaway there and. Amelia being, you know, young and net and, and not really seeing that, you know, let that one up. But today she was, she was huge for us. I mean, she absolutely saved the game there um, twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was, um, well, my, my, my first thought was uh, how you, you told, you had mentioned uh, earlier in the season that you tried to talk her out of uh, being a goalie. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, at some, at one point, um, you know, but then I mean, for you know, for her to come up in those spots, um, you know, probably I, I feel like says a lot about where she's come from the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and yeah, she's she's young too, so I think the sky's the limit there. And and I think that second, the second breakaway that she saved and then made a, a lovely clear on is the play that ended up being our goal going into the other end. Right. So, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, so defense, good defense leads to good offense, and, and you know, we got we got lucky with that today. You guys will be in the uh, the second uh, semifinal on Thursday at Exeter, the 7 o'clock game, taking on uh, top-seeded uh, John Stark. Uh, oh, well, actually, before we, we get into that, do we, do we need to discuss um, – Anything that happened, anything else that happened in overtime or, or before overtime? 
Um, <laughs> if you mean me being a complete bonehead, sure, we can talk about that. I don't know. All right. So I have no idea why I thought overtime in the in the tournament was 11 v 11, but I was adamant that it was so much so that I made uh, Linda Osborne, the official on the game, like, no, pull up your rules. I'll pull up my rules. And then, no, I was I was very wrong on both of what? those things. But I have no I have no idea why. Like, I could swear. I'm going to go back and look at old policies and old procedures. Yeah, yeah. I could swear it used to be 11 v 11. Like, I honestly I go don't back remember. To, the thing that I kept hanging up on was like, Oh man, Dare, when we we were the number four seed going in against number one Dairy Field into the semis, it was Lindsey Stagg's senior year. Yep, 2019. We went two overtimes, then we went into the shootout. I could have sworn that game was eleven v eleven. Those overtimes, but I can go back. I can go back and look. Uh, well, what was funny? What was funny from from my perspective was I had literally just tweeted that overtime was seven v seven. And then I looked up and and you you had eleven out on the field. Oh, I got eleven and, kids on the field, hundred <laughs> percent. And I'm like I'm like going. And then Goffstown had seven. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did I get this wrong? I was like, I'm pretty sure I just went over the overtime stuff, like a couple of days ago, just yeah. so I was on top of it. Uh, no. But adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline is a hell of a drug. That's yeah. what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I was. I was on another planet. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you guys are are, are playing uh, playing Stark in in the semifinals. They get uh, what a three two uh, kind of a nail biter win there against Portsmouth. Uh, yeah, so I mean, very very thoughtful of them to play that game after ours. So I got to <laughs> to go you know, watch it right on over and and take a business trip out to New England College where they had moved the game to at four thirty and. Um, when I had, you know, got there and walked up, I could hear like something had just happened. Stark had just scored. Like, that's what it sounded like. And then I'm walking up and I see, oh, the score is tied one, one. So Portsmouth got, you know, an early goal. Um, and then, you know, Stark, I think it would have been, so Port, they were scoreless in the first quarter. Portsmouth scored first in the second quarter. And then Stark answered about a minute and a half later, um, you know, went into the half tied one one and then Stark came out and did what they, you know, did what they do and, you know, led a fast and furious offensive attack, um, and put two in pretty pretty quickly after one another to make it three one. Um, but you know, Portsmouth never gives up, battled back, um and, you know, is scored, tied it up with just under five minutes to go, I think, in the game. Um, and then we're, you know, possessing pretty well in the defensive end. So we, I, you know, I started leaving with about five minutes left. And then as I get to the under, other end of the field, Portsmouth puts their other one in and I'm like, mm, all right, maybe I'll stay and <laughs> watch a little bit more. But, uh, but yeah, Stark ends up moving on with the three, two win. Yeah. And then uh, you you alluded to uh, the ups an upset in Division Two, and there was uh, the other quarterfinal was you had number six Bo getting a three two win on the road against Oyster River, uh, so Bo is in the into the uh, semifinals against the winner of the uh, Kennett uh, Hollis Brookline game. That'll be the early game on Thursday. Uh, unfortunately, haven't seen any details yet uh, on that game other than what the final score was. Um, and for Bo, I, I honestly just pulled up the um, 
you know the championship history and I'm just to look through real quick because I don't remember you know last time Bo was in a final was in 2011 so you figure they were in the final four that year um I I don't know when else they would have been you know it looks like yeah, a couple, I, couple I was, years in D3. I was actually I was gonna ask you that because you're the you're the archive guy so um but yeah I don't uh, remember I don't remember a time where Bo was in the final four so um, since this I've is, been this fo- is yeah. great since I've been, you know, really more focused on on um, on field hockey the last couple of years, they certainly haven't been. And um, thinking back, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure. So at least, yeah, at other, least the first time since 2011. Right. The other thing that was interesting for me about this matchup is that they didn't see each other in the regular season. Like I'd said before, D2 has five no plays, so this was a right. no play for for the both of them. So. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 curious to know how much scouting either team did on the other, you know, heading into it. But um, you know, Bo's also really turned it on big time for the you know the last five games of the season. So what's the, the last two two and a half weeks of the season? Um, you know, they've only given up two goals and they've scored like I don't know twenty something. <laughs> like they've they've just yeah, put a ton yeah. in the net and and haven't given up a whole lot either. So. Um, so it sounds like, you know, they were still full steam ahead and, and, and that, you know, maybe caught Oyster River a little off guard. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go even beyond that, um, they've won what, uh, now nine of their last 10 with the only loss in there, a one, nothing loss to Kennett. Um, you know, so yeah, that's the kind of the interesting thing. You mentioned that they didn't play Oyster River. They did play both Kennett and Hollis Brookline during the regular season. And then on the other side there, Kennett and Hollis didn't play each other during the regular season. So, right. yeah, just uh, interesting how all that stuff kind of works out. Yeah, it definitely makes for, it definitely makes for interesting playoffs when you have a bunch of teams you haven't seen before. Right. Like, right. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting. I do think, you know, Hollis is going to have a tough, Hollis is going to have a tough goal going up to Kennett. Um, not only the ride, but also now it's on a Monday. Yeah. Games at three, so they're leaving school at like noon. Probably, yeah, I would think so. Right, so you know, and just the anticipation, right? Like, you know, I'm sure you know Coach Cochran's got them. You know, you're practicing Sunday. Okay, let's go. You know, hopefully they find out it's delayed. They've got turf, so you know, probably you're able to practice again. Well, you know, I think I think that today. game was actually delayed on or postponed Saturday. Right. Okay. So, so they, they, they knew. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just so tough. Like you're gearing up for it, you know. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard to bottle that and hang on to it. But I mean, Kenneth's in the same boat with that as well. Right. Like, you know, they were ready to play, I'm sure. And now have to hang on to it for one more day. Right. Right. So yeah, keep an eye out for that game. Um, that'll the winner of the Kennett Hollis Brookline game gets Bo in the early semifinal, five o'clock on Thursday at Exeter, and then the seven o'clock game. It's uh, a rematch of last year's championship game, uh, Sauhegan and John Stark. Uh, and then in between uh, on Wednesday, you've got the D three semifinals. And as of right now, we only know uh, one team that's going to be there. Uh, before yeah. we get into that, though, uh, let's take a. Quick look at the prelims. Uh, just like D1, you had uh, three preliminary round games uh, with top five seeds getting buys. Um, you had number uh, number six, Muscoma Valley, 
getting a 3 nothing win over number 11, White Mountains. Uh, Aaliyah Muzzy with two goals in that game. Um, you know, the first one with 5.21 left in the first quarter, so it gives uh, Muscoma a pretty good lead. Tax on a second goal in the second quarter. Um, you know, so they're able to have a nice cushion to play with there for, for most of the, the second half of that game. And then in the uh, the 8-9 game, uh, you had uh, Conant getting a one nothing win over Kearsarge with uh, Sophie Spingola getting the, the game's only goal. Um, not uh, not sure exactly when that goal happened. Um, you know what? How you know if it was like a late goal or if they played with mo- with the lead most of the way through? But uh, Conant with a big win, uh, and then the uh, the third game you had a uh, uh, I don't have the score in front of me at the right at the moment, but Berlin getting a, a win over. Jeez, um, now Kearsarge. Yes, right? Uh, no, not. Uh, not Kearsarge. No, uh, Ho- Hopkinton. Sorry. Hopkinton. There Sorry, I was calling Kearsarge. Sorry, yes. I was calling Kearsarge. Um, Kearsarge on the brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 3 three one win for Berlin, uh, the seven seed over number 10, Hopkinton, in the prelims there. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously the Conant-Kearsarge game only being a one nothing game, I think, is the is the one to talk about. And they play, they both, they played um, rare in D3, right, that you only play a team once. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So Conan Kearsarge played each other once. Second game of the season for Conan. A one nothing win there too. So, you know, I'm sure Kearsarge went into that game, you know, looking for a little a little revenge maybe, a little, you know, let's write this write the wrong um that happened earlier, but you know, Conan Conan had Kearsarge's number and was able to put that away. And I know um so I know Sophie from Conan as a as an ice hockey player, and if if the level of compete she has on the ice transfers to the field, <laughs> as I imagine it would, you know, it doesn't surprise me that she's the one that that went out there and and you know took care of took care of business for Conan. So yeah, three of the quarterfinal games uh, postponed until Monday. Those games are number five Newfound at number four Bishop Brady. That game starts uh, scheduled to start for three o'clock on Monday. Number six Muscoma at number three Stevens, also a three o'clock start on Monday, and then number seven Berlin going to number two Newport at two on Monday. The one game that did get played, you had number one Guilford pulling out a three-two overtime win against number eight Conant. Which is this? Is the Conant-Guilford game, that's the third or fourth overtime game for the playoffs? Um, That's a very it. good question. It's at least... It's at least three because it was... Right, there were two today. Right. Um, Was there an th- OT win in D1? No, I think, it's okay. th- I think it's the third. Still wild. That's a lot of OT games in the playoffs. <laughs> It is. I mean, well, what makes it really wild is that, again, another another matchup where these two teams only played once in the regular season. Huh. Uh, back on September 12th, Guilford won that one at Conant 4 nothing. Uh, and okay. then from what I, I was able to gather, um, Guilford got out to a 2 nothing lead in the first half of this game. Conant came back and tied it to force overtime 2-2 with two goals in the second half. And then uh, Guilford's Olivia Keenan wins it in overtime. Um, so, you know, I, I, huge strides for Conant from the start of the season, going from losing 
you know, well, I guess, I, I mean, if you really look at it, and they played, what, the first uh, six quarters of, against Guilford, and they're down 6 nothing. if you include, yeah. you know, the regular season and the first half of the playoff game. So um, quite the comeback and, and nearly quite the upset there for the Orioles. Grit and perseverance are one of the things athletics teaches like nothing else. So absolutely. Um, was there overtime 7v7 or did they get to play 11v11? <laughs> you know what, that I'm, I'm, that I'm not <laughs> sure about. But I, if I had to guess, I think it was 7v7. Seven, seven seven. Yeah, that, that makes sense. No, There was no mention <laughs> of that uh, in, in the reports that I, I saw. <laughs> Uh, so that's the one D3 team that we know will be in the semifinals. Uh, that's number one, Guilford. Um, they will be in the 7 o'clock game on Wednesday uh, in Exeter, playing the winner of the newfound Bishop Brady game. And then the other semifinal will take place beforehand at 5. Um, but I'm sure, which, you know, whoever ends up there at this point, um, <laughs> they're going to be really good games. Yeah, I mean... With with looking at what's left and how these teams have all performed and performed against each other, it's anybody's anybody's guess. Yeah, I mean, you had um, this is the third time new uh, newfound and Bishop Brady played will be playing. Um, they split the first two. Um, Berlin and Newport didn't play, but certainly that's you know both teams have had great great years. I would expect that to be a close game. Um, you know, and and Stevens and Muscoma played, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago with Stevens winning two to one. You know, so that uh, I would expect that one to also be a pretty great quarterfinal. Yeah, it's like we said, if you guys aren't doing anything, or even if you are doing something, I guarantee you it's not going to be good as field <laughs> hockey semifinals. Just, you know, take take a take a break, head out to Exeter. You know, same thing with Sunday, head out to Bedford. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. The weather's going to be beautiful. So what more could you want? Absolutely. Beautiful game on a beautiful day. All right. Well, uh, any any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up for the week? No, I've got uh, I've got some film to watch and some game plans to draw up, right. I think. Well, I've got a I've got a little bit of, of stuff to do myself. Uh, so I think that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, Kelly, thanks again for joining me. Always a highlight of my Sunday. All right, excellent. I love to hear that. <laughs> she is uh, Kelly Braley, Sauhegan AD and field hockey coach. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the games, uh, the semifinals this week, and then the championship games on Sunday. We will be back to talk to you about all of them next week. Uh, and everybody have a great week.